Now, I'm Jim Brown here, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries, and I am teaching on the reason for the coronavirus, and it has to do with false doctrine. Reason, the coronavirus, virus, is pestilence. And God says, when you don't obey my words, when you're not obedient to me, obey my statutes, statutes and commandments. When you're not obedient to my commandments, He said, I will send four judgments, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and always the famine would accompany the pestilence because the famine would come with a lack of rain, lack of rain, just like Elijah went before, went before uh, Ahab and said, there'll be no rain for three and a half years, goodbye. And he went and hid in the cave for two and a half years. The reason he told him that was because Ahab had brought in Baal and the grove for Israel to worship in northern Israel. And the grove was the tree goddess and Baal was the fire god. So God says, I'll send no rain. I'll send too much rain. Too much rain, which would bring about mildew. And that'll kill your crops. No rain, as well as too much rain, will kill your crops. Mildew will come. And he said, I will send, when that happens, I will send all kinds of disease. When you see in Africa, they do not have much rain in the uh, Serengeti Desert. Then they, then the children over there get their bloated bellies. They get all kinds of worms. They get all kinds of disease, and they die by the thousands, hundreds of thousands. Rain, no rain, and pestilence go together. And then he, so he says, I'll send famine. I'll send all kinds of disease. And all of this is because you refuse to obey my word. Well, if you've got preachers in the pulpits of the world not telling truth and not teaching people, not telling truth and not telling people what the Bible actually says, and they're changing the Word of God, they're changing it. And besides that, when the translators translated the King James Bible, when they translated... I use a King James Bible, but I go back to the Greek text. And when they translated the King James Bible, from 605 to 611, 1605 to 1611, they changed a lot of the words with their meanings. One of the most amazing things they did to me, when I started studying a concordance 40, 45 years ago, the first time I ever looked up baptize, I remember what I felt about it. I looked up baptize and it says baptizo. And then it says C. It gives you this number 
And when you go to that number, it is the word babto. And then I look at babto and it says to stain with the dye. And baptizo means to cover. Cover does not mean to dip. When I got these encyclopedias, call them a clinic and strong, I began to look up everything in them. And they will tell you that baptized Mr. Strong, who was the originator of the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, him and Mr. McClintock will tell you that this that this word baptize, which comes from these two words, was an infinitive. Well, nobody talks about an infinitive. It was an infinitive. Well, an infinitive is a verbal noun. I've told you this before. Verbal noun. Being a verbal noun, it means it is a noun. That's the basic thing it is. A noun is a person, place, or thing. And it's a a man, a place, a town, or a house, a thing. It's a table or a book or a chair. It's a person, place, or thing, but it has verbal character. It actually means the verb part is where an outer source puts, starts sprinkling something upon a the subject, which is like the man, and the movement is not the man into the subject. It's the fluid coming from an outer source, standing and dying the man. And these writers, including Mr. Girdlestone, uh, Robert Baker Girdlestone, who's one of the greatest biblical entomologists, entomology is the study of words, he says that when the translators got to baptize, they didn't know what to do with it. So what they did, they turned this verbal noun into a verb, and they started dipping people in water. Well, that's not the meaning of the word baptized, but what happened? The Pharisees got a hold of the water, and they implemented it into their halakha. They have changed this word particularly. You cannot even understand Paul. something that Paul said when he said, God sent me not to baptize. What is he talking about? Let me show you. I'm not going to make this long if I can keep from it. But let me erase this. The reason we've got all of these diseases is because preachers are not telling the truth in the pulpit and they refuse to study the detail of the Scripture. The reason I have so much to say, I study details constantly. I like to break everything down to the smallest, lowest common denominator. Now, in order to explain Paul's saying what he said about baptism, I have to explain proselyte baptism. 
proselyte baptism is something that they did to the proselytes. A proselyte was someone that wanted to come to Israel, wanted to come to Israel, and they wanted to become a member of Israel's nation as a citizen. So if somebody was coming from Ephesus or Pergamos or Corinth or Rome or any of these places and they were Gentiles, they wanted to come to Israel, they had to do according to the Pharisees. They had to be, number one, circumcised. And they had to do it exactly this way, circumcised. And then they said they didn't want the water to damage the person's wound of circumcision. So they said they had to wait a while and then he had to be washed in water, washed. This is a proselyte baptism, washed. And they called that washing a new birth. This is why, this is a lot why when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, you mean you're a ruler of Israel and you don't know born again? Well, they said that this washing in water was a new birth. It, it would bring them alive. That was Pharisee doctrine. And then they had to be, they had to offer two turtle doves. Two turtle doves at the temple as a sacrifice for a newborn baby. These, now the, the sacrifice of two turtle doves in the circumcision was in the law over here. So there was nothing wrong with that. But the water, where did the water come from? They said at the temple, they brought this into their halakha. Halakha was the verbal law was the verbal law of the Pharisees. Verbal law. And they took the part of the washing of the priesthood in the brazen sea. It's called a sea because it held 2,000 gallons. It took the place of the little laver when they first left Egypt. The laver was big enough for Aaron, his four sons who were the priest, high priest of Israel. When they began to multiply, God had them to build the sea. 2,000. You can see the sea in the in First Kings, the seventh chapter, seventh chapter. And so they implemented this, what the, what the priest would do. They would go and offer the daily sacrifices upon the altar. The first thing they would do they would go to the brazen sea. The brazen sea sat upon sat upon twelve uh, of these brazen. Oh, let me get back over here where I was. They sat upon 
12 of these bulls are here they are you can see them right here one two three one two three one two three on this side and three on that side and they would go to this they would wash in this and you can see some water running down out of a spout here so they would wash in this all over in the morning and then they would go offer sacrifice on this but that's supposed to be a brazen altar I don't know what they got that for supposed to be brazen that's supposed to be the altar it's not out of wood it's out of brass then they would go offer sacrifice then they'd come back and they would wash their hands and their feet well what they did they implemented this into the water washing and that was in their proselyte baptism And that would be as they would do all of these things. Of course, you have the Ark of the Covenant here, the candlesticks here, the table of showbread here, and the altar of incense here. Well, how did they come about getting that? How did they come about getting that proselyte baptism? It came, it was actually a Babylonian baptism. I've never said that before. Babylonian baptism when they went into they were carried away into captivity most people are familiar with Israel in bondage but very few people in the world I've ever even heard talk about Israel's captivity that was when Israel was carried away by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And in, by the Babylonians in 586. It was southern Judah that was carried away, B.C. It was southern Judah. That's the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. Northern Israel was headed up by the tribe of Joseph, or Ephraim, his second-born son. And this happened because they brought all of this sun and tree worship into Israel. This is where, believe it or not, I have to go back and explain this to explain why Paul said Christ sent me not to baptize. And that's in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. So, let's go, let's look at this. So while they're in Babylon, it's amazing how much you have to explain to get to one confusing verse in the Bible. So when they got over here to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had leveled the temple over here in Jerusalem. He had plowed up the city, destroyed Jerusalem. They didn't have a temple. They had no sacrifice. They had they had no way to worship God. So what they said, when they're in Babylon, they said we have to have a way of worship. So they started the synagogue. It's Babylonian. It's not righteous. And people will say, well, then why was Paul going to the synagogue? To preach to the Pharisees. He wasn't going over there to worship God. And that's why Jesus went in to correct them and call them down. So they started the synagogue. They said, we, had to, we have to have a leader. Just like Israel had a leader for the temple over here. The leader at the temple in Jerusalem was the high priest. It was Aaron and his descendants. Aaron is the older brother of Moses. 
but Moses wasn't a son of Aaron so you had to be a son or a descendant of Aaron to be a high priest and offer sacrifices in that temple well so they said what we'll do we will translate the Torah that's the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and that's the Torah or we call it Pentateuch P-E-N T-E-T-E-U-C-H Pentateuch Pent means five it's the first five books of the Bible so they translated these first five books 613 laws is what they said it doesn't mean I believe there's 613 laws but they translated them themselves and when they got them over here to Babylon they had to translate it into the Babylonian Aramaic since they were translated into another language from the Hebrew to the Aramaic, they said, we have got to have someone explain the translation of these 613 laws. That translation they called Targum. So they said, somebody's got to explain. So they called the explainer of these they call them rabbis or masters or teachers or teachers so what they did they came up and they of each one of these verses in the Old Testament I've said this when you get into when you get into Matthew the fifth chapter Jesus refers to the scribes and Pharisees scribes and Pharisees he calls them the, them of old time he's not talking about the Old Testament law that's not what he's talking about he's talking about the translation of their explanation which they call halakha when Jesus would say you have heard that it hath been said and what he says he says many things about what the Pharisees said in their halakha he says you have heard it hath been said one of the things he said in that 5th chapter of Matthew Here's what the Pharisee said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Jesus said, If you hate a man without a cause, you've committed murder. So he corrects them on everything they said. Well, they implemented when they were over here, they said if anybody, when they came back, when Israel is coming back to Jerusalem, when they come back to Jerusalem, they called themselves Pharisees or the purified ones. And they had all of these laws in their halakha. That was the verbal law of the Pharisees. And they would put their spin, it was an opinion. This is exactly what the preachers of today do. All these preachers, when they talk about uh, baptized they'll say uh, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus 
and they'll dip downward into the water. When you go into McClinic and Strong and you look up the word tomb, they will even comment on what preachers are doing when they say, as many of you have been baptized into Christ and dip a man downward. They say, have put on Christ. They say that it would be completely alien to Jewish thought because they didn't put people in the ground like they, every picture in every church you see a man dipping a man downward. They said that would be alien to Jewish thought. Being baptized into Christ would not mean dipping a man downward. They put people in tombs, in caves. They get whole families and put them in a tomb. They buried Jesus in a tomb. How can you dip Jesus downward when he was in a tomb? It's it's really crazy. You can get the T volume, look up tomb, and it's astounding what they'll say. He said that's an alien thing to the Jews. You don't you don't bury people that way in 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 first century Israel. You bury them in a tomb. So if you actually baptize people in water the way you should, being it's a a verbal noun and it means to to cover with a stain or die, you'd have to dip people sideways and you'd have to put a put a big wall of water up there with a bunch of red dye in it and dip them sideways and have a big fan blowing a big wall of water. It's Preachers have changed everything. One of the things they implemented when they was over there was a proselyte baptism. They said you had to go through this process. And anybody that was a Pharisee was, they would dip people in water. Now, let me show you what Paul meant when he said that. Let's go over there to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. First chapter. All right. They called this halakha, this verbal law. They said it could not be written down, not be written down. And then they had something called Haggadah. I have to go through all of this just to explain what Paul meant when he said, Christ sent me not to baptize. He could not have been talking about spiritual baptism because Christ sent him to spiritually baptize the whole nations of the world and only the elect would believe. He sent him to do that. When the Bible says in the Great Commission, in the 28th chapter of Matthew, verses 18 and 19, when Jesus meets his apostles in northern Israel after he's resurrected from the dead, he gives them this great commission, go into all the world and teach all nations. The word nation is ethnos. It's also, nation is also the word Gentile. Go and teach all nations, all ethnos, all Gentiles. They had never been given that command. 
because the Gentiles were blinded here in the Old Testament and they were the spirits in prison. Prison means the division of day and night, philarche, or not light and darkness. They were in darkness for 4,000 years. So when he says, go and teach all Gentiles, all nations, same word. Goy in the Old Testament Hebrew, or Goyim, which is plural, is the same word as nation or Gentile. So God is extending the gospel to the Gentiles and pouring out of his spirit on all flesh. But I've got to help you see something here. First Corinthians. You've got to keep this in mind when I explain this. I've never heard anybody that understand it. You know why I hadn't heard anybody understand it? I have never, ever heard anybody that understands proselyte water baptism. When Jesus was nailed to the cross in Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, the ordinances of the law were blotted out. All baptisms were canceled. All, all rituals of any kind. There were two handwritings, one on tables of stone. In the Old Testament, look that up in Deuteronomy 9, written with the finger of God, and up on fleshy tables of the heart. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the third chapter, and in Hebrews, the eighth chapter, Hebrews 8. In Hebrews 9, the Bible speaks of God writing his law upon our hearts. Our hearts are the Ark of the Covenant. Then, he says here, let me read a little before this. Verse 12, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, which is Peter, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now remember, the proselyte baptism was for Gentiles only. This was a Gentile church at Corinth. Paul was a Pharisee. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Christmas and Gaius. If Jesus says, go to all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, these two things are going to fly in the face of one another. Jesus commands the apostles, and he commands everyone that hears through their word to do the things that I commanded them in that 28th chapter. So if... Matthew 28. I'm going to straighten out. Look here. Just hold your place right here and go to Matthew 28 to the Great Commission. Matthew 28. All right. And this will help you to see what this is about. Without understanding proselyte baptism, you don't have any idea what this is about. You've got to understand proselyte baptism, who it was for. 
Matthew 28, then the 11 disciples, Judas has hanged himself. Verse 16, went away into Galilee into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, he's talking to the eleven, and teach all nations, all ethnos, all Gentiles, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. Now, if he's talking about water here, What's he talking about over here in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter? He can't be talking about water here in verse 19, mainly for several reasons. Because baptize means to cover with a stain or die. That's what it actually means. And he's washed us from our sins in his own blood. But Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize. Does this mean, does this mean what he give, the, the, he's given to the apostles, he's given to everybody else that's converted. The next verse says he is. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Is he commanding the apostles to baptize? Well, yeah, he's commanding that. So... It, when Paul is converted on the Damascus Road, he's being told to do the same thing the apostles were told to do, to go into all the world baptizing. This word cannot possibly mean water. No way. The water was proselyte. And then he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When you look at John 17, he's talking about the twelve, the 11 apostles that he's given all of these commissions to, and he also says in John 17, And he says in verse twenty, neither pray for, for neither pray I for these eleven apostles by themselves. Well, he's really talking about the twelve because Judas hasn't hanged himself yet. He'll hang himself that night. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word, teach them everything I'm teaching you that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. So he's telling the apostles, when this guy Paul comes along, you tell him to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them. But he can't be talking about water because of what Paul is saying over here in in the first chapter of Corinthians. Let me give you something before I go any further. I'll drop my pen. All right. What would Paul be doing 
baptizing people. Oops. Something came off. Hold on. I'll be back with you in just a second. Did I go off my... The light's not on. You're on. Okay. <laughs> it came loose. All right. Your headset's on. Let me see if I can make this clear to you. All right. Let me make it clear to you. Paul was a Pharisee, wasn't he? He said he was. And if he was zealous of their traditions, he was zealous of baptism in water. Look here in... I started to show you. I started to show you. In that... I've said this before. I've never had anybody comment on it. If John said... Baptizing at the baptism of Christ in Matthew, the third chapter. What I've got to do is connect what John said I've got to connect that with the Great Commission going to all the world, baptizing them And I got to connect that to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, what Paul said. 1 Corinthians, first chapter, where Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize, sent me not to baptize. When Jesus told them to go into all the world baptizing, and God says, you tell everybody that comes to truth to tell them the same thing I'm telling you. And then Paul says, but Christ didn't send me to baptize. These have to be two completely different baptisms. This one has to be water, and this one has to be blood. A blood baptism was a death. That's the same thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is truth. When you tell people the truth, they will want to kill you just like they killed Jesus for telling them the truth. So a blood baptism was a death. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. I've already said that. The Holy Spirit's truth. You tell people that Christmas is pagan. Tell them predestination is true. That God does not love everybody. They're going to want to. They want to put you to death. The word death, Thanos or Thanatos, doesn't mean annihilation. It means separation. So they're going to want to separate from you. 
if you tell them the truth about all these things, death to self, daily cross, self-denial, and you tell them the preachers are lying in the world, they've changed the word of God, they've changed this baptism word. John, when Jesus came to John, John said, I baptize with water. He was doing a proselyte baptism, but he did not preach proselyte baptism. He preached true baptism. He preached the baptism of repentance. And he says, I baptize with water that comes one after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You're not even going to know what that means unless you study something about Stoicism. I've got a book. I found it down at Rivergate at a used bookstore about 25 or 30 years ago. And it's called the it's the harvest of Hellenism. Hellas, H-E-L-L-A-S, that's a term for Greece, but not just a term for Greece, it's a term for the culturalization of Grecian. When Alexander the Great was in was was living and ruling from around 332 and he only reigned for about 12 or 13 years to around 320 319 where he was killed it's believed by one of his fellow generals when he was living then his father was Philip of Macedon Alexander the Great did not build this by himself. His father was Philip of Macedon that began to build this empire and he gave the world the Greek language, Greek culture, Greek philosophers, and two of the most famous philosophies was Stoicism and Epicureanism. And there's there are scriptures that talk about Epicurean, Epicurean culture. The Epicureans and the Stoics called all of their pagan gods by the title of Daemonion or Demon. And we can know that because in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, the Corinthians offer their sacrifices unto, it says devils, but the word is daemonion. So when they went over to their temples, there's no such thing as demons. That's what they call their gods in the first century. They deified their gods, which was their ancestry, and they made them into gods. That's what they did, and then they called them demons. And you have Paul running into some Stoics and some Epicureans in Acts 17, and these two guys are talking, the Epicureans and the Stoics, they're not Christians at all. And they talk about Paul and what he's preaching. They said, 
This Epicurean says to the Stoic, Hey, this guy is speaking to us about strange gods. They wouldn't have used the word strange if they didn't have their own familiar gods. When they said strange gods, they said X-E-N-I-Z-O. Casino. A casinos. Casinos gods. And we get the word X-E-N-O-S, which is the word stranger. These gods are a stranger to us because we've got demons that are not. They were referred to their own gods as not strange. They were demons. And they said Jehovah was another demon, a strange demon. That shows that they believed that their, that their gods were demons. Well, when Paul, there's a man named Zeno. He started Stoicism. Zeno, back during Alexander the Great's time, somewhere in the neighborhood of 320, B.C., he started Stoicism. One of the things he said in Stoicism, which you get out of this harvest of Hellenism, he said that all of the universe, all the stars, all of the our solar system, the sun, the moon, the stars, the Mercury, Venus, all these planets, plus all the stars, he called all of that a cosmos. Which means orderly arrangement. Same word as world in John 3.16. Orderly arrangement. And he and he said that something gave the cosmos life. He said, this is what gave it life. Numa and Pur. Numa is the word spirit. Pur is the word fire. Fire. So he said, Numa and Pur gave all of this cosmos life. When John the Baptist said, there comes one after me. He'll baptize you with Numa and Pur, Holy, Holy Spirit and fire. That had been a saying for 300 years back to the time of Zeno. It was commonly understood in the street that that meant life. Now, why would Jesus tell the apostles go into all the world and baptize with John's water baptism and that Holy Ghost and fire baptism that he spoke to you about you can ignore that forget that Jesus wouldn't have said that no way He's telling them to go and baptize with his baptism. Go and baptize with Holy Ghost and fire. He's not talking about it. So therefore, when we get to the Apostle Paul and says, Christ sent me not to baptize, he has to be talking about water because he's talking to a Gentile church. 
He is saying, I came through there and I washed some of you with a proselyte baptism so you could become proselytes of the gate. And they called a Gentile who had been gone through this three process, this washing, this circumcision, washing in water and two turtle doves. They called him a proselyte of the gate. They became a a citizen of Israel simply through that process. So when he's talking to these guys over in First Corinthians, he said, Christ sent me not to wash in water. That's what he's saying. Because you're Gentiles. Oh man. You gotta you understand something in Philippians first. Philippians. Was Paul a Pharisee? Oh yeah. One hundred percent. See, the Pharisees believed in killing unconverted Gentiles. You'll find that in this book. This is a book written by written by Mr. Lightfoot, John Lightfoot. Commentary on the New Testament of the Talmud and Hebraica. He'll tell you all about what the Pharisees believed in their halakha, in their Haggadah. Great, great set of books. Five volumes set. Now, so when he says, when he says in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, Christ sent me, why would he discount anyone who had baptized? Because he had been baptizing them in water. When Christ was nailed to the cross, all the rituals were blotted out, including all the water washings. And he says, is Christ divided? Paul Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. He said, I'm thankful I didn't get to more people and wash them in water in this proselyte baptism. But you can't even understand that unless you know something about Halakal in Babylon and the Pharisees and the rabbis in the Babylonian synagogue. You know, you know what preachers have said about this verse? Some preachers said, well, he says his emphasis was not to baptize people, but to preach the gospel. That is his emphasis. He said, Christ didn't send me to do that. But he sent him to baptize, but it has to be a blood baptism, a spiritual baptism, doesn't it? It must be. Lest... And I thank God that I baptized none of you but Christmas and guys. He said, I'm glad I didn't dip any more people in water than I did. Because that's confusing. That's why Peter said in Acts 10.48 or 10.47, he says, he doesn't say, who can forbid water that these should be baptized? They were Gentiles at the house of Cornelius. And Peter said, not the water forbid. Forbid is an infinitive. It means stop the water, damn the water up, stop it. 
That's what Peter said. He didn't say who could forbid water. You don't know how many preachers I've heard say that as they're dipping somebody in water. My father used to say every time he dipped somebody in water, who could forbid water, they should not be baptized. It's not what he's talking about. He said, not the water forbid, lest these Gentiles will not go through the true baptism of blood. A blood baptism was death to self. Boy, it takes a lot to straighten this out. Let me show you something else. I'll come back to this, but let me show you something. In Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians 3, and he says, All right. He says to the Gentile church at Philippi something that's very interesting. Verse 3, we are the circumcision. Wait a minute. You at Philippi, a Gentile church, at Philippi, let me see this. A Gentile church. Philippi is right up here. See that little hand, little fingers out there? It's right about there at the top of those fingers. That's in Greece. That's a Gentile church. Paul is a Jew from Israel. He says, we are the circumcision. What is he talking about? He says, you don't have to be circumcised anymore because he said to the Ephesians, circumcision is not of the flesh, it's of the spirit. He said it to the Colossians. Why would he say this to the Colossians and to the Philippians and to the Ephesians? Because at one time they had to be circumcised to become a member of the kingdom of God, which was a term for Israel because God was their king. Jesus is the king of the Jews, the king of Israel. We are the circumcision, and here's how you're the circumcision. Here's how. Which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in this flesh. That's God's circumcision. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I've got more than most men. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. There in the 17th chapter of Genesis, the Lord tells Moses, you circumcise the male children that are born on the eighth day. And we found out since then that the eighth day, that's when the clotting factor is at the height. So it will clot quicker. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the fellow tribe of Judah in the southern Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Besides that, Jerusalem is in the in the tribe of Benjamin. And Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. 
and I've, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. My father was a Pharisee. His father was a Pharisee before him. So you had to like the traditionary law of Moses if you were a Pharisee. They brought that back from Babylon. What things were gained to me, that was supposed to be gain in my life, which touching the righteous, which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I counted all things but lost for the excellence of Christ, and for whom I suffered the loss of all things. I do count them as dung, scubalon. All my worldly accomplishments. You've got to count everything you possess and come to in this life as nothing. As dung. Paul called it off-scouring scum. we got to look at our life like it was just nothing but scum. Every accomplishment we have. Now, look over here in Galatians. Go back to Galatians. Galatians. The first chapter. First chapter. Verse 13. For you have heard of my conversation, my anastrophe, my way of life, anastrophe, my method of living. I was, he tells you how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it, wasted Portheo. It has the same meaning as when we talk about guys in war over in Vietnam and they went and wasted the village. It meant they killed everybody in the village. He said, I killed the church, ravaged and destroyed the church, and profited in the Jews' religion. What's the Jews' religion? That's the Pharisee religion of Halakha. The Jews' religion, above many mine equals, I was more zealous than any other Pharisee of my own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions, the paradosis. Of the traditions, remember that word tradition means the, means the traditionary law of Moses. Remember the traditionary law is what they called the halakha and said it was more powerful than any 
than the laws that were given to God on tables of stone that God gave to Moses on tables of stone. They said the traditionary law was the verbal law and you find that word tradition God's referring to the Pharisees it's the traditionary law of Moses which was a lie it was where they took the law of God and twisted it just like the preachers are doing in the pulpits today why is there a coronavirus because everybody has perverted the law of God this thing of baptism I don't think anybody even understands this because when he's talking to the Corinthians, he's talking about water. Because he went through Corinth, and I believe it was in Acts the 18th chapter, and he spent a year and a half there. And he was dipping people in water until God said, no more water. In fact, in Acts the 15th chapter, when Paul came in after his first missionary journey, and he had gone up to He'd gone up into what we call Turkey. That was actually, actually, Asia Minor. Let's see if I can find it here. When he'd gone up here into, into Asia Minor, he was coming back, and when he was on his back to Israel, had a bunch of Judaizers say, you got to go back up here to Lystra and to and to to Derby and to Antioch and to these people have been converted and they're Gentiles need to go back and wash them in water and baptize them. Paul said, "No, we're not going to do that." Paul said, "No water." Peter said, "No water." Paul said, "No circumcision." Peter said, "No water." Not the water for bed. So what he's talking about here, let me finish this up in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. You know how long it took me to see this? Long time. I was studying on, studying the literature of the sages. I got two books on that. The sages were supposed to be the wise men of the old Babylonian synagogue. I got a lot of it out of this book by, these books by Mr. Lightfoot. Look here what he says. Verse 16, chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. I can't remember whether I baptized anybody else. But I thank God I didn't. For Christ sent me not to baptize in water. He has to be talking about water. Because Jesus sent all the apostles into all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them with a spiritual baptism in blood, with the Holy Ghost and fire, which is the truth. But he says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel preach the gospel is a blood baptism you had to match that up let me erase some of this let me erase this 
preach the gospel, he said, Paul said, and all I have to do is show you that preach the gospel is a blood baptism. That's all I have to do. And I'm going to show you right here. And this will match it all up. Paul said, Christ sent me to preach the gospel as opposed opposing water baptism water to the Gentiles what is the gospel what is preaching the gospel E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O Euagalizo is the word preach the gospel it's one word in the Greek it comes from you an angel A-G-G-E-L-O-S it means a well or a good angel, which is the word messenger. And he tells you what preach the gospel is. Look at, he said he sent me to preach the gospel. I'm going to show you that preach the gospel is a blood baptism. Look over here and mark the first chapter. I've said this before. I've never gotten it real clear. Sometimes I just have to go back and go real slow to clear it up. All right. How much time do I have, Mike? 31. All right. The beginning of the gospel. Mark, Mark 1, verse 1. Here's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. The gospel was written in the prophets. Gospel. Written in prophets. And it goes on to say what the gospel is. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare thy way before thee and here's the gospel the voice of one crying in the wilderness here's the gospel prepare ye the way of the Lord make his path straight here's the gospel prepare ye the way that was John the Baptist's message wasn't it way is the word hodos hodos is the same word excuse me hodos means way highway road journey when you find the word journey in the New Testament it's always the word hodos there are two ways 
if the gospel was written in the prophets and it is prepared the way there's two ways one is a narrow way and the other is a broad way narrow is the word thalibo broad the broad way thalibo comes from thalipsis which is the common Greek word tribulation we must do much tribulation enter the kingdom of God Paul speaks of that all through his writings so the tribulation is narrow means to squeeze you're pressured on all sides because people don't like what you're saying and the way you're living and there's two ways and prepare you the way is the narrow way and that's going through tribulation and that is the gospel can you prove that this the baptism further yes I can let's go over to Luke the third chapter Luke the third chapter now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar this is first verse 1 Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of Iturea and of the region of Trachonitis and of Lysinius and tetrarch of Abilene Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest the word of God came unto John the son of Zacharias this is John the Baptist in the wilderness and he came into all the country of Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance you're going to see that this baptism is spiritual and that it's a blood baptism and that it's the gospel came preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin I've said this so many times when you find baptism of repentance anywhere in the New Testament and you look up repentance metanoia and you look it up in an analytical lexicon you have to go by the spelling in an interlinear Bible because that's the absolute spelling in the text and you look it up in an interlinear Bible it will tell you that repentance is genitive case that means it shows possession that means that baptism true baptism is owned and is possessed by repentance repentance is being turned and thinking differently and when you're dipped in water that don't mean you're being turned and thinking differently and the baptism of repentance tells us what it is right here John came preaching the baptism of repentance 
as it was written in the words of Isaiah the prophet. That's the Old Testament prophets that the Bible says the narrow way over in Mark the first chapter was written in the prophets and here in Luke the third chapter the Bible says the baptism of repentance of repentance was written in Isaiah in Isaiah and it has the same meaning as Mark the first chapter in Isaiah 40 and the baptism of repentance was prepare you the way prepare way that is the baptism way is the word hodos that's the narrow way the tribulation way and the baptism of repentance is the same thing as the gospel written in John came to and Paul said the Lord sent me to preach the gospel which is prepare you the way which is the baptism of repentance which is prepare you the way the hodos And let's read the rest of that. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the hodos of the Lord. Make his path straight. So when you're baptized with the baptism of repentance, here's what happens. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. I've already told you that a mountain was a capital city of an empire. There's two mountains in the scripture. There is Zion, and there is Babylon, the mother, the mother of harlots, and God says she was a proud mountain, and I will make her a burnt mountain. And Babylon was the mother of all idolatry, the mother of harlots, pornea, in Revelation 17 and 5, or porne, it means idolatry. So when you level mountains and hills, did anybody remember what the word is? It's the word humble. Humble yourselves under the hand of God. Humble is the word T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. I like the definition I get out of one book. It says to level mountains and hills. To level mountains and hills. A mountain was a capital city of an empire. Mr. Strong will tell you that. Under the M volume, look up Mount. A mountain was a capital city of an empire. So when you humble, you level self and you cut down the mountain of self or let us make us a name. Let me make up my own doctrine. Let me make up my own shim, which means authority. I'll make up my own name. So he says every mountain will be leveled. Every proud thing, anytime you look up the word proud, or leveling that which is high and lifted up, only God is high and lifted up. Every valley shall be made, shall be filled up, and the crooked shall be made straight. Who can make a clean thing out of unclean, or who can make crooked, who can make straight that which is crooked? No one but God. And the rough ways shall be made smooth. Now, 
And he says, All flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. That's the Gentiles. When they're baptized with the blood baptism. Now let's go over here. Over here, back. So can you see, Paul said, I was zealous of my father's traditions. I was zealous of the traditionary law and he was washing people in water and he said, I'm thankful I didn't wash any more people than I did. That confuses people. Well, before I go over there, let me go to Acts, the 10th chapter, talking about Peter went to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. And when he says to him, I'm just going to read that to you. He's revealing what he had said when he went to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and they believed. And he says in verse 47, Can any forbid water? And the word forbid is an infinitive. It means to prevent. Kalazo. K-O-L-A-Z-O. It's an infinitive. It's a verbal noun. This word does not mean forbid. It means to prevent. Can any prevent the water or stop the water? That these Gentiles at the house of Cornelius would not be baptized in the blood in the Holy Spirit who received the Holy Ghost as well as we. It it takes all of this to even understand this. And then the next verse. Peter commanded them at the house of Cornelius to be baptized in the name of the Lord. There's some, if you don't know this about the Greek text, you're not going to know what that's even saying. To be baptized is an infinitive. To be baptized, there's no way that can be water because it's a noun. It's a verbal noun. It's an infinitive. Infinitive, we get the word infinite from infinitive. To be. To be baptized means the condition of something after an action has been taken upon it. If you paint a barn, it is to be painted once you paint it, it has been painted. But to be painted is a noun. It'll be the condition of it after you get through painting it. So to be baptized is an infinitive, and when it uses the word in, I've said there's several words for the word in. None of them mean to move into and come out of. You have the word that was used there in in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission he commanded them to go into all the world and teach all nations baptizing them in the name that word is E-I-S and it means to sink into it doesn't mean to come out of 
to sink into. It has the basic same meaning as many of you have been baptized into Christ, Galatians 3.27, as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You don't take off the clothing. You don't take off the blood. It's infinite. Once you're baptized, it's infinite. Infinite, infinitive means when something is infinite, it means go on forever. The sign for infinitive in the in math is this right here. That means it goes on forever. Once you're baptized in the blood, it is permanent. It's infinite. And when this word in is used in that 1048, anytime you use the word en or en, and that is the word, it's not the same word in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. It's not the same word. When you use this with an infinitive, it means with or by. This actually means to be baptized with the name name is the word onoma and it means authority God's authority is his word and thy word is truth and the Holy Spirit is truth Holy Spirit is the word is the truth so he's commanded them to be baptized with the truth that's the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit baptism is what he's talking about he's not talking about then he goes back Peter goes back to tell the apostles what this was all about and he tells them verse 12 of chapter 11 this is further verification that this is not water and the spirit bade me go with them this is verse 12 of chapter 11 nothing doubting moreover these six brethren accompanied me and we entered into the man's house talking about Cornelius and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto him send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved and as I began to speak the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning that's a Holy Ghost baptism then remembered I the word of the Lord how that he said John indeed baptized with water but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost in reference to the house of Cornelius he's referring to a blood baptism a blood baptism a Holy Ghost baptism and a truth baptism are all the same once you're baptized with the truth which is the word of God which is the Holy Spirit you're telling people truth and they're going to cut off from you and bring about a spiritual death upon you. Now, do I have any time? Fourteen. Let's go over here to the Old Testament. When, when the Bible says in Mark as it was written in the prophets, what well, it was written over here in Isaiah. 
And the same thing, that's what that's what Luke said in Luke the third chapter. John came preaching the baptism of repentance as it was written in the book of Isaiah. And here it is. If you start preaching, and the gospel is, this is also called the gospel. Isaiah, 40th chapter. Isaiah 40. And if you're going to correct me on this, you're going to have to know something about Halakha and Haggadah. Isaiah 40, and this was talking about John the Baptist. Because John came as one crying in the wilderness in that first chapter of Luke. John is the Baptist is born. Verse 3, chapter 40. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way. Here it is. Well, that's the gospel, isn't it? As Luke three says, that was the gospel. That was the baptism preached by Isaiah, and that's the bab- that is the gospel preached by uh, preached by Isaiah. That says I, that Mark the first chapter says, as it was spoken of in the prophets, prepare the way. This word way here is the word direct. We get our word direction from that. Therefore, direct would equal hodos because it's quoted in the New Testament. Prepare you the hodos. Prepare you the direct. So anywhere you find direct in the Old Testament, it would translate hodos in the New, wouldn't it? It's not even hard to understand, is it? So when Christ, when Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize, he was talking about water, the water baptism of the Pharisees. But I have never heard a preacher in the world that ever understood the halakha of the Pharisees. Never heard anybody even mention it. But I got all kinds of books on it. You know what it is? They're satisfied with very little, these preachers are. I have questioned the doctrine of the Pharisees for decades just wanting to know what are they saying why are they saying this why are they getting mad at Jesus he had corrected on everything they said I got so many more things on this and he says every valley make prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God what is he talking about Well, he is. Well, why would Isaiah be be saying this? This was around 712 B.C. when this is written. 712. Northern Israel was carried away in 722 B.C. And southern Judah won't be carried away until 586 B.C. He's talking about making a way out of Babylon and coming back to Jerusalem. That Jerusalem has been destroyed. So he's talking about coming out of Babylon, coming back to Jerusalem, and making a highway for the Lord in 
the desert. What does he mean, make a highway? They didn't have highways like we do. They had they would leave their trails alone. It would be like an old trail. And when it would rain hard, uh, these rocks would be protruding up out of the... And that all kinds of shrubs would grow up. They had to go out and prepare a highway to go back to Israel and to rebuild the temple of God. And we're the temple of God now. So he's talking about a way back Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh are the Gentiles, because Israel has been carried away, and Isaiah preached to him for 50 years, telling them to repent, and said, God's going to bring the Gentiles to the light. The Gentiles are going to be the ones that get the way and get the blood baptism for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it there's something I wanted to read to you what these preachers have done they've corrupted every doctrine of the scriptures everything that is a profound word of God everything from the tongues which is not true to faith healing which is not true and every one of them will say, yeah, but the Bible says thy faith has made thee whole. That's right, it says that. You've got to know what the word whole is. It's not what you think. It's not physical cleansing. When the woman came with the issue of blood, and this is one of the main topics of the of the charismatic Pentecostals. They think they can be healed with faith, and you can't. You're saved by faith. You're saved with faith. Faith made the whole. Now, Jesus says to a woman, go be whole of thy plague those are two it looks like those are the same word because they're the same word in English the word whole they're two different words in the Greek two completely different words the first word faith sozo you saved you and since I am God and you believe in me and you came to me he says you can't come in contact with me when you're believing without me cleansing you he said now you can go and be hugius we get the word hygiene from that it means physically cleansed she was not physically cleansed because of her faith. She was saved because of her faith. And they take, how are you going to know that if you don't study and look up words? You're not. I'm just sick of the preachers. I'm tired of them. I got something here I want to read you. It just tickles me to read it. It's... 
it's out of when you look up Talmud I've told you that the Talmud was the development of the Halakha and the Haggadah Talmud it went through many changes it was in the form of the Mishnah and they had the Halakha which was the verbal law that they said Moses received on the mountain over there in Exodus the 20th through the 25th chapter on the mountain with God actually the 18th through the 20th 25th or so the Halakha and they had the Haggadah and the Haggadah they said could not be spoken aloud spoken aloud and the Haggadah could not be written down but it's really strange that they say God changed his mind by the time you get down about 200 A.D. And the, the Halakha on the Haggadah started back during the Second Temple period. Second Temple, you'll find that in the literature of the sages. A sage was a wise man, but they weren't wise men. They were the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. And somehow, by the time you get to 200 A.D., God changes his mind. He lets them write down these two things in a book called the Talmud, and you can read it. The Haggadah was things they had written down. i got to read something to you. They had written down. This shows you how ridiculous things are. This is how to stop a nosebleed in the Haggadah, okay? For the bleeding of the nose, let a man be brought who is a priest and whose name is Levi. Now, you got to find somebody named Levi that's a priest. Let him write the word Levi backwards. If this cannot be done, get a layman and let him write the following words backwards. Anna, Pipi, Sheila, Barsumki. And let him write these words Taham Deli Bemi Kesav Taham Li Bemi Pagan and let him take a root of grass and a cord of an old bed you're going to stop your headache this is, sounds crazy and and paper and saffron and the red part of the inside of a palm tree and let him burn them together and let him take some wool and twist two threads and let him dip them in vinegar and then roll them in ashes and put them into his nose Or let him look out for a small stream of water that flows from east to west and let him go and stand with one leg on each side of it and let him take with his right hand some mud from under his left foot and with his left hand from under his right foot and let him twist two threads of wool and dip them in mud and put them into his nostrils. Can you just take some aspirin or Tylenol? Or let him be placed under a spout and let water be brought and poured upon him and let him say, as this water ceases to flow, so let the blood of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, also cease. 
And a commentary on this wisdom or folly is superfluous. It's just folly, the writers say. And a commentary of this wisdom is superfluous that this direction to stop a bleeding nose is not a rare case in the Talmud. The following mode of treatment for a scratch or bite of a mad dog will prove. They're going to tell you how to treat the bite of a mad dog. The rabbins have handed down the tradition that there are five things to be observed about a mad dog. (laughs) His mouth is open, his saliva flows, his ears hang down, his tail is between his legs, and he goes by the sides of the ways. Some say also that he barks, but his voice is not heard. What is the cause of his madness? Rabbi Rav says it proceeds from this, that the witches are making their sport with him. Now, does that make any sense? That's something that they had in the Haggadah commentary. Crazy. Is there any time left, Mike? No. Am I out? Yeah. Okay. We'll come back next week and we'll talk more about the coronavirus. Everything has been changed. Just later wrote me and said, you say that you believe in the Bible because it's in the Bible, but... You say they changed it. No, they changed when they translated from the Greek to the English. You can't translate Greek into English correctly. And they did it. Half the translators were Roman Catholic. They did it to pacify their own desires. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, teach us this word. Teach me how to tell it to the people so they can understand what we're saying there's so much to be learned you've taught me a little I don't feel like I know much fight our battles we can't fight them Lord you fight them we'll praise you for everything and glorify your name lead us to your elect family and strengthen the sheep with the word in Christ's name, Amen. I was just thinking, people that don't have palm trees, they can't get rid of headache. Huh? If you don't have a palm tree, you can't get rid of headache. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? I think that's hilarious. So that comes out of McClinic and Strong under Talmud. They got a lot of crazy stuff in there. If they do that to the to the Haggadah, what do they do to the Haggadah? And that was Pharisees for you. Good grief. Thank God. Well, I better not say that. The Pharisees were nuts. Well, they didn't like Jesus correcting their laws. Hey, what are you doing, guy? How you getting along? Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm hanging on. Ever done. I'm just getting old and tired. Hurting the environment. But that's okay. I don't mind. He needs to take credit for hurting the environment the most. How are you doing? Are you? How's your job doing? Waste of money ever. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's just totally Are you getting? Are you getting used to it? 
Are you getting used to it? Are you? Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that.